That'll be fun. <laughs> sounds like a sounds like a lovely time. Um, does are there are there any Bible experts in here? I was like, Bible experts. I'm like, it would be funny if someone was like, yeah. That's pretty much me. Um, what's up, everybody? Good morning. Good morning. My name's JJ. It's good to be with you today. I get the honor of this next part. Um, let me pray and uh, ask God's blessing on the proclamation, the teaching, the communication of his word, because I've been working on some stuff all week long, but um, I need the spirit of God to do what he does, where he takes something that I've been working real hard on, and then he sort of sets it on fire, and uh, then he plants it in your heart, and then uh, you're changed forever. That's pretty cool. Let's ask him to do that. Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for our worship teams uh, every week. It's so cool to see uh, the rhythm of this church is to be a worshiping church. It's to be a place where many people use many different uh, giftings, the way that you have put them together. And we use it, Lord, to just worship you, to bring you glory and to try to make space for more people to, to know you. So we thank you for our worship team. And Lord, um, we thank you for... Uh, the different things that are going on in our church that are helping people to gather, to get to know each other. This is just, this is cool stuff. And we're really stoked that we get to, um, that we get to do it. Lord, we're going to open up the Bible now. And um, this is our prayer, that you would speak to us. That, it, that it's not like words off a page, but that God who created the heavens and the earth and knows us, and sees us, like we talked about last week, would speak to us. We ask that you would uh, impart to us um, things of the kingdom of God. Help us to know you more. We love you. We pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Last week we talked about one of the rhythms of Jesus was that he sees people. This is what specifically I said. He sees us. As people, as individuals, as, as human beings, meaning he sees worth there. He sees our past. Many of us, well, we all have a past. If you're here today, you have a past. I heard a comedian say one time, uh, someone showed him a picture and said, hey, look at this picture of me. It's a picture of me when I was younger. And he says, man, every picture is of you when you are younger. <laughs> It's like, hey, man, here's a picture of me when I'm older. Wait a minute. Let me see that camera. Where did you get it? Jesus sees our past. And Jesus sees our potential. Our past doesn't define us. The decisions that we have made, the things that we have done doesn't define us because Jesus sees those things and then he doesn't look at you and see you as a lost cause but someone full of potential. And so that's cool because Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't just see us, see our past, see our potential, and then just leave us. He doesn't stop. I want to talk this week about the rhythm that Jesus had. This is the title of our message today. Jesus changes people. Jesus changes people. This is going to be the last of the Jesus rhythms that we look at. The more I dig in them, I'm like, we could just sum it up and be like, Jesus had the rhythm of being awesome. 
And then it, because it just goes on and on because he's so good and he did so many things with regularity. But we're going to move into starting not next week, but the week after our next series in this progression, which is going to be about the first church. Because we want to look at the first people. How did they live in response to all of these things that Jesus did and who Jesus was? What was their natural response? So we're going to open up the beginning of the book of Acts, and we're going to look at some, some rhythms from the first of us, the first believers. But today we're looking at Jesus changes people. There's a word in the Bible in the New Testament, you'll see it quite a bit, and it's the word transform. Transform implies major change. Who here had transformers as kids? Come on, my 40-something-year-old people. Don't be shy. Raise your hands. You know you had them. Optimus Prime. <laughs> that was you. Optimus Prime. That's an inside family joke, but it was really funny. Transformer, it means a major change in form, form, nature, or function. Changes into something else. Jesus transforms. We're going to use the word changes. It's both a noun and a verb. But you didn't know I was grammatically uh, awesome. <laughs> a noun, something that is, is the finished product, a product of transformation. Jesus says, I make all things new. This is the noun. The verb is something you do. It's an action word. The process of transformation, to change into another form. I like the term remodel, in process of transformation. We're going to use the word change today. The point is this, Jesus changes people. This room is filled with people who have both been changed by God. Raise your hand if God has changed you in some way. And we are also a group of people who are in the process of change. Just because you have been changed, you're not negated from the process of change. That's walking with Jesus. That's the process by which the Bible says we are becoming like Christ. The scripture is filled with examples of Jesus changing people. You could almost open the page any page of the New Testament, and see an encounter where Jesus changed someone in some way, shape, or form. So being topically, when we, you know, not going verse by verse or through a book of the Bible, which is one of our rhythms here, I'm like opening up and I'm like, Lord, <laughs> there's a million of these. Where should I teach? And it was sort of like pick a place. I was reading in Luke. And I came across this, and this is a beautiful picture of, of multiple people in the process of change with Jesus. So would you open up your Bible to Luke chapter 17? Just to let you know, we're Bible people. We love it. God wrote the Bible. We believe it's true and it's good. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to bring it every week. If you haven't opened it up in a while, you can bring it here, knock the dust off, get you a pen, start circling some words. You'll feel good about yourself. There's something about a Bible page when there's lots of writing and you can't read it. You're like, man, I'm getting holier by the day. We also have some Bibles in the back. If you don't have one, feel free to take one. And um, 
Yeah, so in Luke chapter 17, that's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to jump off from this encounter Jesus had. So Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. Let me read this to you guys and gals. Okay, verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. And lifting up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Jesus said to the man, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is cool. I want to look at this morning three things that Jesus changes. I'll give them to you all three and then we'll go through them. First one is this. Jesus changes our status. Second one, Jesus changes our heart. Third one, Jesus changes our direction. Let's look at the first one, change of status. Now in this case, this man was healed or cleansed from leprosy. Leprosy was a term for various types of skin diseases, visible things on the skin. If they were happened, they would be quarantined out of the city limits. Um, I was watching 1883. Anybody seen that show? Not too long ago, and smallpox was a huge outbreak. It would have been something like that, visible on the skin, and the person was kind of banished out of the city. Now, a leper would have to walk, wear certain clothes, have it all covered up, and then if someone were to come close to them, they would have to say, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick, everybody. They would have to yell, unclean, so people knew to avoid that person. This case, this man was cleansed from leprosy. Miraculously. Other accounts that Jesus described people restored to health in other ways. Some by gaining sight. Some raised from the dead in these encounters with Jesus. And then some, even with a physical ailment, something were going on, Jesus would say, your sins are forgiven. The common thread is this. They, are all, they were all changed. They were all broken and found wholeness and newness by something Jesus did. Each of these things was not just something Jesus did, but something for which Jesus paid. This is the reason Jesus came. Change for this man, for these other people in the Bible, and for us, while it is available at no cost to us, it was not free. 
change happens, we are able to receive change from Jesus because of what Jesus did on the cross. It was the place where all the brokenness of this world was made right. It was the place where all of the gnarly things that people do to each other, the way we treat each other, was restored, where brokenness was restored, was whole, where wholeness was made possible. Change is available because of the cross. We get to sit and look backwards, but it was at the cross where Jesus repaired all that sin had broken and damaged. And to receive wholeness, forgiveness, restoration, Jesus asks us that we would look to the cross and meet him at the cross. That is what is unspoken in these encounters. Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet, but he didn't, couldn't do any of these things he did apart from where he was going. That's why right before the cross, that's when Jesus said, now I have fulfilled all that you have asked me to do. Return me to the glory that I had with you before this, Father. And it was as he was going to the cross. It was on the cross where Jesus said, now it's finished. It was on the cross where the, the separation veil where only a priest could go, someone who was holy before God and man could go on behalf of people, and that was torn, and now it was, doesn't matter. Anyone can come. Amen. The cross is where freedom and wholeness were and are offered to anyone and everyone who wants them. That's the change of status. I was this, now I'm this. That's why the Bible says, but to all who believed in him, John 1 Verses 12 and 13, all who believe, this word believe, it's hard to translate in English, but it's trust, depend on, put your faith in, look to, talk to, follow. It's a, it's a word picture. It, it involves an allegiance, but to all who believe in Jesus and have accepted him, to them he gave the right to become children or God. How are they changed? They are reborn. Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. That's where the Bible gets the term born again. Or when someone might use the term you've heard, that's when I received Christ. Or um, that's when I was saved or put my faith and trust in Christ. But there's this point where you come to Jesus like a leper. And you say, Lord, have mercy. I mean, he says, this, this dialogue back and forth, and then there is a change that happens. I hope some of you know that. Because here's the deal. When you know that you have received grace, it's not just like an ointment you put over your life. It's the way in which you now live, that your life isn't based on your passes and fails. It's based on Jesus. So you can look and you can say, someone say, "How I was just with some pastors the past few days. Some of these guys have been doing this a long, long time. You guys know we all struggle with the same stuff. As we were sitting there talking, we were like, what are, how can we pray for each other? What are we talking about? And we're all just like, man, I feel like I don't do a good enough job. I feel like I could do this better. And we start, well, what does that make us believe about God? If you're honest, it makes God feel like, oh, he might be disappointed because I could be more efficient with my time. I could do this. I could do that. But then that we start to, we're the ones teaching grace and we start to heap up this stuff that we have to impress God again. That's just not the case. It's not true. God changes you. The Bible says it's settled. 
It's in heaven. As far as the east is from the west, so are your past sins far from you. God sees you and loves you, puts his favor upon you. That's a change of status. The Bible says he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred, transformed, changes us into the kingdom of his beloved son. What a dope transference that is. In whom, Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. First thing is he changes status. He says, you were a leper, be cleansed. My man looked down, all nine of them, all ten of them apparently, looked down and they were like, whoa. They were changed. Second thing he changes in them and us is a change of heart. I think this is as miraculous as physical change. Physical change is rad because you can see it. Change of uh, immediately, change of heart takes some time. This person was like this. I didn't see them for years later. When I saw them, it was visibly different, but what had changed was their heart. What is it to have a change of heart? It's to change your opinion of something, to change the way you feel about something or someone. A lot of people in this world need a change of heart. There's a process to it. The Bible calls it learning to walk in the light. Apart from the Spirit of God, just walking to what man sees on our own, the humanistic view. Bible says there's a darkness to that because you can only see so much and God wants to illuminate. It's called learning to walk in the light. We call it growing. It's an easier term. How's it going? Oh, it's just learning to walk in the light. I think they used to say that in the church in like the 80s and 90s. Walking in the light, brother. How are you? That was a joke to 80s Christians. And that was just not kind, and I apologize right now. <laughs> but this is what we call growing, the process of change. I've been told several times that when people first met me, they didn't like me. For some reason, people always feel like it's okay to share that with me. <laughs> I still can't figure it out. You know, when I first met you, I didn't like you. And I, obviously, there's a change. They like me enough now to give me that information and realize that that's probably not going to hurt my feelings, which it, it does at first, but I'm, you know, I'm walking in the light, brother. So I'm, <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Growing. A saying that I've said over myself, and we say it in our household, I learned from, in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, which I'm thinking about teaching that. Would you guys be into Genesis, maybe? Okay. Um, there's this story, and I don't want to, no spoiler alert, just, you'll see. But there's this whole amazing thing that happens where God sovereignly works in someone's life. And this person says, as I was on the way, God led me. 
It's this beautiful picture of us doing what we do and God directing it at the same time. This partnership of wills like Jesus did. And so growing, this in my mind it works like this. A lot of life happens on the way. How did you learn how to be a pastor? I said yes to what I believe God was asking me to do, and then I visibly fumbled my way through it for the next however many years. And God taught me humility and helped me to teach. And like, how does it happen? You just sort of do it. A lot happens on the way. Did you notice in there it says this verse? Um, Go back to Luke um, 17 and... In verse 16, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks, period. Now, he was a Samaritan. You see that? Why was that in there? Because that day there were multiple people changed. Multiple people had a change of heart. See, he had a change of status. He was cleansed. But there were other people there that had a change of heart. This is actually something that Jesus will continue to work with his disciples, his early church, for the next period of years in their life. We call it a problem of racism in our world. Is there a problem of racism? Uh, Yeah. How long has it been going? Forever. What's the cause of it? People focusing on the differences of someone versus then the common ground of someone. This person looks different than me. They're from another place. Their heritage is this. Um, You know, people way back then did this to other people way back then. And it continues, and it continues, and it continues. And we focus on the differences of people. As opposed to what Jesus did, where he celebrated the differences and focused on the commonalities. That's what I said. He saw us as people. Not a Samaritan, not a, a, a woman, like with status, not as a high priest, but as people. One was changed visibly in the moment, and the others wouldn't be visible until a later date. Take what I just said, if you're a Bible student, if you like reading scripture, follow that line of thought through Peter's life. Pretty amazing. It was actually something that God was working on him for years. It wasn't that he was bigoted or had bigotry toward other people. It's just that he would be with his own. And he, there's a way of looking at others as not as good as what you have. And that's not, that's not how God sees people. He needed to have a change of heart. And it takes years. The disciples learned something that day that stayed with them forever. A Samaritan leper wasn't a person to avoid. But it was a person. A Samaritan leper wasn't a problem to avoid, but a person who has value. I wonder how many of us avoid certain types of people because it's difficult. Maybe God is changing your heart to see what he sees. That's just the reality of doing the hard work. Because people are difficult. (laughs) 
but people are worth it, according to Jesus. And what was his rhythm? He would seek out these people. He took risks. Two weeks ago, plugging my own stuff. But that's how Jesus did. That's what he wants us to learn. This guy wasn't Jewish. He was a foreign story to the disciples. Man, this person has that much value that Jesus would do that. He wasn't part of their crew. He didn't have the same upbringing. It was different. There was going to have to be this like getting to know one another when the church was born. And these people who weren't Jewish were being filled with the Spirit of God because they were coming to Jesus at the place of the cross with faith and putting their faith and trust. And the Bible says they became children of God. They were grafted in to this radical heritage and legacy. And there had to be, and I can't wait to look at the new church. Let me tell you one of their rhythms now. Ready? It's for free. Don't write it down so you'll forget it. Their, their hospitality was radical. It was over, they had over-the-top hospitality. Why? Because they were stood on the common ground that Jesus saw them as all important. The thing about growing, walking the path, is that the path unfolds before you. You can look at a map, you can plan, but until you put boots on the ground and you're going and you see the actual trail, imagine hiking, it kind of folds out before you. That's like the Christian life. I say this, the Holy Spirit is the best equal opportunity employer of all time. And he uh, excels in on-the-job training. You don't have to qualify. What are your qualifications? Faith? Pick them up. A humble spirit, a willingness to learn, that's what Jesus is looking for. That's what the Holy Spirit is, says, that's what I'm talking about. On-the-job training. You'll learn everything you need to know. You just got to be committed to the way. Okay. As we are committed to the way, we learn new things all the time, don't we? Some are big, groundbreaking things. Some are small, but they're all important. I want to have a rhythm of growing. I want you to do the same. I think the rhythm we're looking here in changing a heart is just being open to the fact that God is doing a work in you. He's changing you. If you've been a Christian for 30 years and or however long you've been a Christian, if you are able to write a timeline, which Jono's timeline, I saw it. We went out to lunch. I checked it out. He didn't like cut and paste it from something. He, like, he put a ton of time and effort and energy, and it is actually really rad to read the Bible, and you're like, oh, yeah, this king. Oh, yeah, that's what was going on. Here's the, it's really fun to be able to do that. It takes a lot of time. Where was I going with that? I don't remember, but here's what I'm going to say now. <laughs> oh, yeah, is it this? No matter if you do that, God's doing a work in you. If you think you get to the point where you've got it figured out, the only hard words Jesus had in the New Testament was to people who thought they had it figured out. And he had hard words. Hard words. We don't have it figured out. But Jesus is changing us as we go. Amen? That's why I love this verse. I appeal to you, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Why don't you circle these? Jot this down. 
Read these with your life group. Pray these. Pray this verse over yourself. It's powerful. I appeal to you. This is Paul writing. It's sort of like a therefore. Because God is changing you and doing all this stuff, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, present yourselves to God as a living sacrifice. Not as a dead, don't you lay your, But like, God, here's my life. What do you want to do? This is holy and acceptable to God. He doesn't look at you and go, <laughs> yeah, right. He says, but this is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, to the patterns of this world, the way people treat each other and all of that stuff, but be transformed or changed by renewing your mind that you may test and know what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, that you could grow. So what's the point? God wants to change your heart. Okay, the last one is this, a change of direction. That's one of the things I notice in this text that I love. Let's read it one more time so you can see if you can pick it out. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. They lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. There's stuff in there. Go back and read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Numbers, where it talks about the different laws. And if you had these leprous diseases, this was the law given to Moses. There were certain things you needed to do. You would go to the priest. He would inspect you. Then he would quarantine you for seven days. It was seven days back then. It wasn't ten. Or five, that was a joke, that was a COVID joke. <laughs> and then you would come back in seven days. If it was going away, they'd send you away for seven more days and you'd come back and they would try stuff. But if it wasn't, then they would pronounce you unclean. So there was this sort of protocol. So Jesus says to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. They went and as they went, they were cleansed. Miraculous. Don't read too much into that. It was like Jesus did something as they went. They were cleansed. One of them came back when he saw that he was healed, praising God with a loud voice, fell on his face at Jesus' feet and giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this one foreigner? Verse 19, and Jesus said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well change of direction. Jesus would do something every once in a while. He would do a work in someone's life and then he would say this to them, go your way. For, for, for a while, I always thought that was interesting. It wasn't, follow, he said to some, follow me. And then to some, he said, go your way. And I was like, what is that? I don't get it. Is that like where he did he, was he sending the B team away? Like A team, come with me. B team, go your way. Now we were told that this person was a Samaritan and a foreigner. He didn't know probably certain customs. He hadn't been walking with Jesus for several years. He was just this foreign person. And then Jesus says to him, go your way. I would say Jesus sent this man on his way because he knew the way in which he was going to live was going to bring glory to God. It was a bring glory to God kind of way. Let me use you as an example. 
where are you going tomorrow? Don't answer out loud. We're working at the bridge. Like, you don't have to respond to everything. We'll just respond to some things. Where are you going tomorrow? School? Those kids are so rad. Work? How do you feel about your job? I love it. I don't like it. I'm uh, whatever about it. Here's my example for you. It's not so much where you're going tomorrow, but the way in which you go to that place. See, there's a way to go to a job that you feel is beneath you and you should be farther along in life. There's a way to go to that job that brings glory to God. And there's a way to own a company and do really awesome things that you want to do and not bring glory to God. It has to do with how we treat ourselves and other people, right? There's a way to go to school and you're being taught all day long. And there's a way to learn well that brings glory to God. And if you want to know how to not do that, I wish you could just pull up an old tape of three quarters of my high school career and you'd be like, yeah, that wasn't a good pattern to follow. Because I was a pain in the butt. But I learned later on, along the way, that I shouldn't have treated some people the way that I did. I think this is important. Because I think a lot of us live in this way, like I could really honor God if God could really use me. God will be able to really use me when. God used to be able to do something because. And we sort of paint this stuff good over here where I used to be or this stuff good over here where I think I might eventually one day be, this hypothetical. We build these two worlds where we're good and then the one that we live in is the one we're trying to escape. So we binge watch another show. We do something. We're just trying to escape the present. But, but walking with Jesus is saying, in this moment, grace is found. Contentment is available. Relationships can be built. That's the change of direction. If no matter where he sent this man, he was going to be a messenger of the change in his life. I was like this, Jesus did this. That was his, that's what was coming, the Bible calls this, this living water. What happens in your heart comes out of your mouth. This man was like, I fell at Jesus. I was like, Lord, this happened in my life. I was like, God, you're so good. And he was, he sent me on my way. Sent me on my way. That's why Colossians 3.17 says this. Whatever you do, I went snowboarding yesterday. It was fun. I believe the Lord thoroughly enjoyed watching me and my kids and our friends act like 10-year-olds. I'm 44. I have an 11-year-old. Yesterday, I was 11. I didn't think about some of the stuff that I had to do today. I was just present in the moment, enjoying this mountain and this snow and the people who created this snowboard. I was just playing, and I loved it. It makes me a better man. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Don't make that more religious than it needs to be. 
It's saying, as God has done this work in you, just be who you are. God is honored by that. Be this product of change. Then wherever you go. God is using you. Concluding thoughts. I want to speak to two groups of people in here. I want to speak to those of us that are Jesus people. We're Jesus followers. We've been doing this a while. We want to, it's been up. It's been down. It's been all the things. But we've given our lives to Jesus. And we've said, God, I've made a mess of mine. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. I want to follow you. Please come into my life. Please forgive me of my sin. Please lead me. Help me to be light in this world. So for those of us that we've made that what we would call a profession of faith, we want to we honor God. I want to tell you guys something today. You, you need to focus less on the destination and a little more on the journey. Let me re- reword that. It's not as much about the destination. Jesus has that part figured out. But it's about the process. It's about the journey. Do you know what it means to grow and become more spiritually mature? It means that there actually has to be visible change. People are like watching you grow. One of the most convicting scriptures is one that I feel like God gave me for calling on my life. It's where Paul spoke to Timothy. And he said, Don't neglect to do these things. He's like, read the scripture, teach people. He says this, throw yourself at it completely. I always think about a singer trying to hit a high note. You're either going to hit it or you're going to miss it, and everyone's going to see. He says, I want you to live your life like that. I want you to just send it, and if you crash, you crash. He says, throw yourself that your progress may be evident to all. He was the pastor. He was the leader. And God said, I just want you to go for it. When you're shredding hard, you're going to crash. It's part of it. God's grace is good in those. He just wants you to give it. We need to remember that. It's not as much about the destination. It's more about the progress. It'll help us to have a bit of humility toward others. And then it'll help us to stay focused on progress, not perfection because when you've been walking with Jesus the devil tells you you should be farther along by now focus on perfection so we don't tell anyone what's really going on in our lives because it doesn't look so we just paint the face we do the stuff but it doesn't make a difference in anybody's life or yours it actually takes you back when God wants to grow you do you guys know what I'm saying all right if you haven't yet begun following Jesus My prayer is that you will see and know that there is one who sees you, who heals brokenness, who forgives wrongdoing, who makes you new. He doesn't just pass by you. Maybe a lot of people have. He sees you. He doesn't just leave you to deal with sin and shame on your own, but transform you into a new, whole person with a fresh path ahead, a path of grace. He doesn't just take you and make you new and give you a religion to follow. 
He leads you personally. He is our good shepherd. He will never tire of you. He'll never want to take a break. We need to take a break. We're spending too much time together. He will never give up on you. He is good. His name is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for the ability to change people. It's really cool. You created humankind. You created men and women. You created us to have relationship with you and each other. And wanting to do our own thing, Lord, we turned from you and kind of thought we could do it on our own, which is a product of you giving us the ability to think and have our free will. Your love is crazy. It's amazing. And Lord, thank you not only that you can restore brokenness, but that you desire to. That you see us in whatever state we're in, and your, your heart's, your natural rhythm, your natural response is to draw near, to bring healing, to wrap your arms around, to speak truth, to give life. That's your natural outpouring. You're so good, Lord. We love you. As we sing this song, Father, I just want to, I want to pray by your spirit. If there's someone in here that just has been having wrong thinking about you, about themselves, about other people, Lord. We are open to a move of your spirit, to a change to take place here. We come into this place every week, and every week we want to leave different than when we came in. We want to leave empowered by your grace. We want to leave moved by your love. That no matter where we go, there you are with us. So Lord, we sing this song in response. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said.